0: everyone, this is one half of Dragon Baby's Just Grace today, Grace Lonesome. We aren't going to be able to record our next full episode on Half World by Hiromi Goto for a few weeks. So I decided that I would go ahead and investigate something that's just been tickling at me for a while now. So y'all know that we are fascinated by fantasy book covers, and because we approach each book that we cover through a nostalgic lens because of the nature of the pod, we um, talk a lot about which ones really grabbed us when we were young because that was a main reason why we picked up a lot of the books that became incredibly important to us. And Madeline is a big audiobook reader, I'm getting into them (laughs) bit by bit, it's still hard for me to pay attention somehow. But she often mentions, you know, this audiobook is really wild. (laughs) This cover is just not good. And I don't know where it came from. And I've started to become pretty fascinated by this. So this episode we are diving into the seedy underbelly of the audiobook publishing industry and how covers are selected, designed, put together, slapped up in Photoshop over a lunch break, whatever the case may be. I do want to start by saying I did reach out to 10 different audiobook publishers. Most did not respond to me, Some did, but didn't end up getting me any research. I appreciate those of you who took some time to try to help, but I ended up doing the research on my own, and I think you'll be interested by what I found. So off the bat, let's talk about the differences between audiobook cover design and print cover design. In my mind, there are three main problems. The first one is pretty simple. It's proportions. Can the cover be square? Because that is what audiobook players are going to present as the graphic accompanying an episode. With some existing print covers, it's relatively easy to adapt them. With others, it's really not, and you get some fascinating results. Number two, the copyright. I learned in my research process, more on this later, that the covers of books have a separate copyright from the text because each publisher creates its own cover. So a lot of these books, if they're being released in audiobook form, years after they were originally published are not necessarily likely to have the copyright carry over so that the audiobook publisher is able to use that same cover. Hence some of the very different audiobook covers that we see that I can't manage to find on any print editions. Number 3, adaptability. Do they have an original art file? What kind of assets do they have? What can they work with? So I started this investigation by looking at audiobook covers for each of our recent episodes and then some of our favorite authors' bodies of work overall. So Diana Wynne-Jones, Robin McKinley, Tamara Pierce. And I really paid special attention to The Dark is Rising and Susan Cooper's Dark is Rising sequence since that's our most recent episode and the audiobook cover is pretty ridiculous. So let's start with Dark is Rising. I did the majority of my audiobook cover research on Audible since those are since that's the biggest audiobook distributor and in taking a look at the Dark is Rising sequence, I saw that there are different artists and quality of overall cover design for different titles in the series even though they're coming from the same publisher, which is Recorded Books LLC more on them later. The Dark is Rising audiobook cover, it uses an adapted version of a print cover from a 1999 edition by Margaret K. McElderry Books, which is a middle grade and teen imprint of Simon & Schuster. And in this cover... The paperback image is crudely stretched horizontally to try to attempt to fit the square dimensions. And then when whomever was doing this realized that it still wasn't going to be broad enough to fit, they put blue bars on either side um, just to fill it out and get to that square shape. Uh, Will looks very distressed in the image it's pixelated it's difficult to tell what's going on and the cover to begin with looks to be computer drawn and have elements of the story throughout but it's very busy it's very confusing it looks like it's from an early mist game um Overall, it's just not something that's really going to entice a reader of any age to explore the series. I started to realize that there are categories of fantasy audiobook cover that really each of them fit into. So there are four that I came across just looking at books that we've covered. So these are also middle grade, children's, or YA fantasy that most published somewhere between the 70s and the mid-aughts. Number one, we've got a print edition cover being used as is, with some plain background added to the sides to make the dimensions square, the way that the darkest Rising publisher did. But these are typically the most popular print edition. This is the case for books like Inkheart by Cornelia Funke, East by Edith Pitou, Ella Enchanted by Gil Carson Levine. This works. It's fine. It doesn't look amazing. It's a little bit weird. But it functions. And there's the recognition of a cover that you're familiar with. Number two, we've got print covers that are awkwardly altered to include additional text or other graphic elements. Um, so putting in the narrator, publisher, aud- like an Audible exclusive banner, um, or making the art more updated in some way and seemingly better for the audiobook. Full cast audio is particularly guilty here. The publisher that creates full cast performances of books. Um, So, this is the case for In the Land of the Unicorns by Bruce Coville and the Circle of Magic series by Tamara Pierce. There's some really creative layouts here, and they come across as looking really cramped and busy and just. I also discovered another layer to this in which even more difficult original dimensions were used because the audiobook was originally cassettes. Um, So these are for books that came out in the 80s, 90s. And so they were even taller and narrower, and the publisher has tried to make that work. That is the case for The Hero and the Crown, in which there is a very awkward picture of Erin. Her eyes are on different levels, her lips are pouty, and there's some haze floating in front of her. We have the title superimposed over the front. I found the full image that they pulled from later, which makes a lot more sense. But when you zoom in on her wonky little face, it really transforms things. Number three, we have dedicated audiobook covers that were created for these books by the audiobook publisher and that have been in general haphazardly and amateurly made. We will talk more about that in a moment. Number four, movie or TV tie in covers. So, this is for something that's had an adapted work released more recently. These are typically pretty bad, too. I'm looking at Artemis Fowl and Golden Compass. And I will put examples of all of these categories up on our Instagram at Dragon Babies Podcast. Of these categories, by far the most interesting to me are the poorly made, dedicated audiobook covers. So let's look closer. An uninteresting and brief overview of how audiobook publishing works. So there are audiobook publishers, who are the ones who actually get the rights to the work and then record the audiobook. Then there are audiobook distributors. Some publishers are also distributors. Audible has its own dedicated uh, Audible exclusives. Um, Others do not. But in general, the distributors are not often making the bulk of their work. So the cover for the audiobook is created by the publisher. They're the ones responsible for this. And since each book cover has its own copyright, published works of the book in the past may not have a transferable cover that these audiobook producers. Can use. I learned from Creative Law Center, they have some great resources on book cover copyright. Typically, the ownership of the cover art is controlled by an interplay between copyright and contract law. So, traditionally published authors typically have their publishing house create the cover art. It's possible that the cover art could be created using original work that is created entirely by the artist. Or the cover could be created using different stock art or photography that's been licensed from a third party, like iStock, Getty Images, things like that. So clearly, this is getting pretty complicated. And I start to understand why audiobook publishers go ahead and just make their own covers rather than having to deal with this headache. From there, I turned to looking closer at the audiobook producers and it got to a point where I could open up an Audible cover for a book that we have discussed and immediately know whether it was made by a certain publisher and that is Recorded Books, LLC. So in the specific niche that we are potting in, there are only a few Publishers responsible for these works, um, especially because capitalism continues to condense wealth and ownership, and Big Audiobook really only has a few members holding the reins at this point. Recorded Books LLC has been committing some particularly bad crimes against Diana Wynne Jones and Robin McKinley, as I mentioned earlier they seem like they are invested in both pandering to whomever they see as the intended demographic for the book, and then also putting in as little effort to it as possible. So we get a super childish cover for Charmed Life, an anime-looking cover for Howls that I'm sure is trying to capitalize on the Ghibli movie, and a sexy teen-vibe cover for Beauty by Robin McKinley featuring a woman's mouth with a rose laid across her porcelain skin. I also found another pretty bad perpetrator called Tantor Audio, and then I learned that they're a subsidiary of recorded books, so (laughs) the call is coming from inside the building. I will say their covers have a bit more budget and effort put into them. Um, They do have a full-on romance novel Fire and Hemlock edition. (laughs) A girl laying in grass with thought pearls containing key plot objects from the book floating around her head. Um, So there's... There's some low points, but their Dark Lord of Derekholm cover is pretty cool, and it's original art, clearly, that was made for the book and was made by someone who I also believe read the book, and you know that that's a big crux here at Dragon Base. We can tell if the artist has read the book or not or at least been given some important salient plot points before just thinking about what market they're trying to appeal to the most on a publishing level. So overall, Tantor clearly put more budget into it. And I think it comes down more to artistic differences between myself and the publisher, rather than overall effort. Because they're not choices I would make, but they're fine. On the better end, just to be a little positive, is Penguin Audio and Harper Audio. I saw some really beautiful, dedicated audiobook covers that they had made just for those editions. Two high points for me were Hogfather, which has a gorgeous Christmas wrapping paper type design around the border, um, bright colors, a sleigh in the center. It feels silly and Christmassy and also a little dark. Works really well. And then Stardust by Neil Gaiman, which is a sparse but lovely watercolor of the moon against a very fluid, multi-toned sky on a gray backdrop. Um, And it feels, to me, very evocative. So, Recorded Books, LLC, is the culprit of these horrible audiobooks. We have established that much. But who are they? And what do they want? They are a component of RB Media, which is an audiobook publishing company that has global markets it claims to be the largest audiobook publisher in the world. There is a great New Yorker piece called The Pleasures of Being Read To by John Colapinto. I will also link to that on our website. And from there, I learned a little bit about the history of audiobooks, which actually began with Recorded Books Media. So Recorded Books was... The brainchild of Henry Trentman, who was a traveling salesman and spent so much time in his car on the road, but didn't want to listen to the radio and desperately wanted to read. So he looked for actors, um, put up a casting call at a theater in D.C., and he found an actor named Frank Mueller who recorded Jack London's Sea Wolf. because at the time they were just trying to create some works that were already in the public domain so they didn't have to worry about getting the copyright. Trentman later said that when he got Mueller in a booth and heard what he could do with text and a microphone, I knew I had a business. This was in 1979, and it actually took a little longer for Recorded Books as a company to catch on um, because people were wary of audiobooks. They thought they were for the blind, and the first audiobooks were actually an initiative of the American Institute for the Blind all the way back in the 30s, the 1930s. So Henry Trentman came along at the right time because he may have been a traveling salesman, but by that point, it was the mid-80s and people were moving to the suburbs and suburbanites were discovering that they had horrific commutes and listening to audiobooks made them just a little bit better. So Recorded Books has been around since the beginning. They clearly know what they're doing and when it comes down to it, The conclusion is ultimately kind of sad. It's that they're just not putting budget or time into these actual covers. The art department, I imagine, is much less equipped than for one of the big publishing houses or even a small publisher that focuses on print editions because these audiobook publishers, most of them are dedicated to audiobooks and they don't have to worry about print. So they're trying to do what they need to do to get these files to the distributors as quickly and easily as possible. I also imagine that because the publishing industry is a bit of a dinosaur and moves relatively slowly, that many are not eager to pick up on new initiatives for digital objects and really dedicate the necessary resources to create beautiful audiobook covers when they don't have the copyright to another cover version. Some of these are just shameful. They clearly were made in less than an afternoon using a hodgepodge of existing illustrations or stock photos and the ones with original art are a bit better but they just look like again they were made by someone young and handed in as like a class project and the thing is I start to feel cruel when I repeat that these are bad just over and over again because the covers are fine, but clearly that's all that the publishers are going for, being fine. And I'm not satisfied with that. And I really do feel that even though browsing for audiobooks is much less tactile than looking at books in a library or in a bookstore the cover design to me feels almost more crucial because it's the only visual element that you have that's connecting you to that book. So it seems like it should get even more focus put on it. I don't know. I'm talking myself in circles. I think the only way to really discover for myself how easy or difficult it is to make an audiobook cover is to actually design one. Okay, which book am I designing a cover for? I'm going to just go ahead and go with our most recent episode, The Darkest Rising by Susan Cooper, both because the book is very fresh in my mind and it had a big impact on me, and also because the existing audiobook cover is respectfully trash. So we need a replacement. I looked up some advice for designing audiobook covers. Um, I was told to choose captivating typography, an eye-catching color palette, images that give just a glimpse of some plot details and intrigue the readers, and then from my perspective, the most important part is making sure the image and text are easy to read and comprehend when you're looking at them on a phone screen. I do have design background. I own a marketing agency that does web design and marketing for small businesses. So I already have some tools at my disposal. I know how to use Photoshop. So I do have that on my side. The first thing I have to decide is whether I'm making my own graphic elements, like I'm going to go ahead and actually draw some kind of illustration that I'm going to use, or if I'm going to purchase licenses for photos or illustrations that already exist and then use those to design the cover. Going into this, I do want to approach this not exactly like I'm one of the recorded books LLC (laughs) art department employees, but I do want to aim to do this in a relatively efficient way so that I can try to somewhat emulate the experience of these audiobook cover creators. Whomever they may be, they would not reveal themselves to me my first idea which I think would be really amazing um, I would have to illustrate and spend a lot of time on so I'm not going to do it that idea would be to have a black cover with an illuminated skylight as in Will's attic bedroom with a crow peeking around the corner and then a boy's outline in the corner in bed so kind of Will's head down in the corner looking up at the crow in the middle of the night. So I need to say goodbye to that idea because I'm just not going to go ahead and take the time to do it. Other ideas. I definitely like the concept of using a Celtic cross to evoke one of the signs And then behind that, using some kind of stormy or wintry sky, both because that's literally the weather throughout the book, the snowstorm that just won't end, and then the thunderstorm that just won't end, and also to evoke the concept, the dark is rising, give it kind of a natural feel. So I think it makes sense to combine those elements. I have access to some stock photo repositories through my business that I have plans with. So I'm going to start there. I'm heading to depositphotos.com and I'm looking up stormy skies <laughs> and Celtic crosses. The funniest part about this is going to be my team <laughs> walking on to deposit photos and being like, who? <laughs> Who is doing this? I've found a really nice cross, but I'm realizing that just using one of these landscape images of a cross in a graveyard, it's a grave, um, looks to be some kind of ancient graveyard in Ireland. I think it's going to look pretty Basic, <laughs> for lack of a better word. So I'm starting to think that what I'd like to do is go ahead and make the make my own sign. So just a really basic symbol of a Celtic cross, and then maybe use this grave as the actual. Texture and background for the sign. I'll go for the stone sign and use this grave um, that has some nice moss. And then I'll pull some different images for the sky. Okay, I've got my sky images. I have one with some appropriately swirling angry clouds. I'm going to start working on making my cross in Photoshop. I feel like my cross looks bad. I made it very clean. I'm starting to get anxious about this and wonder if I can actually do this. Um, I am feeling bad about everything I said about these audiobook designers, but I think I just have to press on. So um, maybe this will still work somehow. I am currently throwing... (laughs) Every adjustment Photoshop has to offer on top of my cross to try to make it look not dumb. It also kind of looks like a steering wheel. And I'm just realizing that now we have to, (laughs) to think about the typography, which is historically something that I struggle with in design. I think I've spent a total, all told, just to be totally transparent, of probably two and a half hours on this Design on this cover design. So realistically, is that too long to expect recorded books, LLC to put into a design? I'm not sure. From other perspectives. So, so time, I'm questioning that. Is that too long? Is that not long enough? I'm not sure how much they're allotting because they won't tell me. Second, the copyrights here. I have a standard license for both of the images that I used in my design. Um, So it's pretty much going to be allowed anywhere in any number digitally um, and commercially. And I can only create up to 500,000 print copies. But this is an audiobook cover. So this isn't something that these publishers would need to worry about. So copyright wise, I'm clear on my images. Uh, I've had to throw a ton of adjustments on uh, everything in my design. like the background, the center cross. I don't want the cross to look like it's also from this was a burn that I issued for a cover I saw earlier, but it kind of looks like it's from mist as well. <laughs> it looks kind of goofy. It's got a little I put a little bit of an outer glow on it to try to, help it stand out. It was laying really flat on the page and I embossed it. It's got texture. Maybe it's too much, but like, I can't not, you know, I can't see it anymore. You know what I mean? (laughs) I've looked at at my stone cross for so long that it, it no longer to me exists as an objective entity. Like it is burned into my brain. So There's no going back. I'm just going to move past that now. I found it really challenging to get all of the text I needed to get into the image in place and then not overcrowd it. I have Susan Cooper, The Darkest Rising sequence, then the title, The Darkest Rising. It's really confusing with the second book. And then narrated by Alex Jennings. I don't have the Newbery Honor Medal. That seemed to be on other covers of Noobs um, in general. And I understand why you want to show right away that your book is award winning. But there is no way I could put it on and not have it look absolutely atrocious. So... I'm skipping that. I do feel humbled. Um, this has been tough. I've been thinking, <laughs> thinking about this for days. I did do this over the course of two days, those two and a half hours stretched over two days. And I'm not totally happy with it. I am happy in the sense that I think this could actually be an audiobook cover. I if I saw this in Audible. I wouldn't be upset and I would accept that it was real at the same time. I wouldn't think that it is the best possible representation for the book. It's very simple. And again, the sign looks a little bit goofy. So I, I guess I've been knocked off my high and mighty pedestal here. Um, But at the same time, it's better than the Recorded Books LLC covers, I I have to say. I think I'm going to have to take some time and maybe make my actually best idea and explore that cover, really make the illustration and follow through on it, and essentially take a more traditional publishing route to my audiobook cover. So other than my humbling What lessons have we learned today? I will say that audiobooks deserve more respect in general. And realizing that more and more by the day, I think they're super valuable for a lot of different reasons. And I do ultimately believe that their visuals are even more important than for a print edition. You need that visual connection to the book and something to humanize it when it's not a tangible object that you're holding and you can't flip through and get an idea. All you have is this cover image and it just deserves more time, effort, and respect. I'd love to see any of your Dark is Rising cover ideas or feel free to comment them or email them to me. Maybe we can work together and come up with something. My final cover will be posted with this episode on our website, dragonbabiespodcast.com, Instagram at dragonbabiespodcast and Twitter at dragonbabiespod. And you can come get me some constructive criticism. We can see how we might be able to tweak it uh, without going in full... I am dedicating myself to this perfect (laughs) illustration and execution direction. You know, see yourself as a beleaguered, recorded books, LLC, art director, and think about what path you might take. Thank you so much for listening. I am going to be doing more of these one-off episodes in the months to come whenever we can't get together for a full episode. So if you have any ideas, I'd love to hear them. I have some too. And my research for this one really got me excited to work on more of these projects. So thanks for coming along for the ride. I'm Grace. Until next time.